The title of this morning's message is Set Sail. So when you found John chapter number 15, stand with me as we read God's word this morning. John chapter number 15 and verse number 4. It says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And oh God, we don't want to do anything apart from you. We, I, I got personal experience of trying things on my own, Father, and it hadn't worked out. I don't want to do anything apart from you. I pray that would be our prayer. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered up and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words, everybody say, my words, abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning in Jesus' name. And it's already done for us because he said this in Luke 15, 31. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Father, we thank you, and we receive the fullness of who you are this morning. God, I ask for this and open heaven above this place where your spirit and your angels and your ministering servants have free access in and out to bring our needs to you. And Lord God, you to bring your answers to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And as we finish up a home series as the first series of the year, I like to say this, the Abide series is the sequel series to that. We wanted you to find a place to call home, and home is where the presence of the Father is. And once you found that place called home, we want you to come home, Amen. We want you to come home, and we want you to come home more than once a month, more than twice a month. We wanted you to even this year, plus two, add two additional services to your regular service attendance every month. If you come to four services a month, make it six. If you come to two services a month, make it four. If you come to two Sunday mornings, hit two home groups, hit two Wednesday nights. We want you to not just say this is home. We want you to come home. (laughs) Amen. I got, a, I got a house and I got an address, but if I never show up there, I really can't consider it home. So we want you to come home. And how we want to do this is we want you to know this at TWBC. When you walk through those front doors, when you walk through those front doors, you are not a project. You are not a project for us to fix. You are a person for us to love. And as you walk through those doors, we want you to know this with all of our heart. We love you right where you're at just for who you are. Your goods and your bads don't matter to us. You are a person. You are a human being that deserves the love of the Father. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And if who Jesus was and is, we now become. We become the person who loves you like Jesus loves you. And I know that Jesus found me at my worst. Amen. And when he found me at my worst, he didn't leave me there. He brought me to a new place in him, not because of all his magnificent power, but by his love, by his unconditional love that he loved me through my goods and my bads and everything else. And so we want you to come into this place, this safe place environment called home to experience all that God has for you. And what is the purpose of the Abide series? It is to get us well acquainted with the culture of heaven. We want TWBC to be well acquainted with this culture of heaven. Can I get an amen? And what do I mean by that? A lot of us are acquainted with the culture of church. A lot of us, as we'll find today, are acquainted with a culture of Christianity of some sorts. But I want to be acquainted with the culture of heaven. 
Because if Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us on our behalf, if the Father says, ask anything in my name and he'll give it to us and all that I have is yours, shouldn't we be well acquainted with the culture or kingdom of heaven more so than the culture or kingdom that we live in every day because we are a different people when we become born again, amen? So the whole purpose of this Abide series is not to just find a safe place called home, but in this place called home, we want the presence of the Father to show up in such a real and mighty way that a different culture takes place in this room. Amen? Amen. A lot of people from the outside won't understand why we're shouting and rejoicing this morning on the inside, but if you're on the inside in the culture, you understand why we're shouting and rejoicing. Amen? Amen. Because Easter's not done. Easter hadn't finished since the resurrection happened. Amen? It's always celebration day in the house of God. And so um, that's the purpose of this series. And Jesus began to put this mandate out of the culture of heaven in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 10. And I've added this word in there. And so give me some liberty. I'm not adding to the scriptures. I'm, I, I'm, I'm wanting to clarify or define what this word kingdom means in our setting. And so as they're throwing this scripture up on the screen, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, your kingdom or culture come... Your will or culture be done on earth and in our culture as it is in heaven, your culture. And so that's the, the cry of our heart is that God, your kingdom, what's in heaven, your kingdom or culture come, your will or your culture be done on this earth in our earthly culture as it is in heaven, your heavenly culture. And Jesus, when he said this in the Lord's Prayer, he said, your kingdom come, Father, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And a lot of people throw it out there that, oh, Jesus was just so deep in his spiritual teachings, and he was deep. He had great depth, but he always spoke in such a practical way. And because we live in America and we live in a democracy, we don't really understand the term kingdom very well, and that's why I changed the word kingdom just to culture. The culture of heaven be done in this earth. The culture of heaven take place in our life. The culture of heaven change us. Now, what is the culture of heaven? The culture of heaven, it heals, it cleanses, it delivers, it empowers. Those who were once lost and had no place to call home now find a place called home because there's a culture or a, a different society called the kingdom of heaven that's here that finds not the worst in you but the very best in you. We don't find out the negatives of your life. We find out the calling on your life. Amen. And when we can establish the calling on your life, you'll overcome the negatives in your life to become all that God's called you to be in this life. Come on. Some of y'all need to record that and write it down and put it on your mirror. Okay. And I don't know if I can say it again, so I'm not going to try and repeat it. Okay. We need to get to the understanding that God didn't call us to just live on this earth, but he called us to change the societies. And the cultures that are influencing us in this earth. And there is the great battle that we're going to be facing and talking about today as we set sail, which is the title of this morning's message. There are seven spheres or mountains of influences that embark on your everyday life and your everyday culture and everything about you. And we must begin to understand that these seven spheres, and I like them called mountains of influence better because a lot of us do look at them, at them as mountains, that they influence us. And listen, our thoughts are more shaped by the present evil or issues around us than the promise of God within us many times. I, I want to hear that again. And, and guys, throw that up on the screen. It says this, the per, the th our thoughts are shaped more by the present evil or issues around us than the promise of God in us. 
And so therefore we have this clash. We have the seven spheres of influence that I'm going to go over here in just a second. But these seven spheres of influence that are constantly barraging our culture from every angle and every side, we're more um, influenced by the evil and issues of our culture than the promise of God within us many times. And therefore, we must begin to allow what Jesus said to come to pass and let his culture of heaven begin to infiltrate our earth. And that starts with a promise on the inside of you, but the promise on the inside of you was never meant to stay internally. It was to be expressed outwardly. And it begins to have a contradiction to the seven spheres of influence or the seven cultures that try to change us when God said there's greater things in you or greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You can say it like this, greater is the promise or Christ within you than the seven spheres of influence that are in this world. Greater is the Christ and the anointing on the inside of you than all the cultures that are trying to change you to be like them. Come on. And, and, and I'm going to clarify this and I want to recap something I said last weekend and it was this. If God cannot be empowered to change the culture in the church... How can he empower us to change the culture outside the church? If we don't let God change us in here, we're never going to be empowered to change out there. And listen, it's time that we do not hang on any longer to old-time religion and get into a new present-day relationship with Christ and the anointing and not pray for the revivals of the past, but pray for the great awakening that God wants us to do right here in our society and our culture today. And listen, if we're going to reach the year of 2016 and 2017 with an awakening with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not going to be like one that happened in 1996, bless God. The church has got this problem. We're always 20 years behind. But if we serve a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and the Holy Spirit will tell us things to come, don't you think God can exponentially get us ahead of this curve so we're now leading the culture instead of following the culture? That's the heart of this, this whole series is to change the culture we're in. And I may not finish this message now. I'm just saying. <laughs> and these seven spheres of influence that influence our life, number one is family. Your family environment influences you. Your religion influences you. And some of you say, well, my religion is Christian. That, 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 that may be kind of the problem. If your Christianity is a religion, it's wrong altogether. Jesus did not come to start a religion he came to create disciples and followers that will start a cultural movement. But we've made it a religion. So family influences us. Religion influences us. The economy influences us. We're in the kingdom of heaven and we're in God's culture here. But if the economy's bad, tithing goes down. When the Bible says even in the Old Testament, man, he sowed in the year of famine and God reaped a hundredfold return for him. Okay, so economy influences us. Education and your education level influences us. Seems like the more educated you get, uh, it's not called seminary, it's called cemetery. <laughs> right? You must guard yourself. I, there's nothing wrong with education. I pray you all go on to get uh, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degrees, and you empower yourself with great knowledge. But not that that knowledge influences your heavenly culture, but now that you're educated in this culture, you got the culture of heaven that can change this culture and make this culture work for the advancement of this culture. Amen. See, God has nothing against farthering, furthering your education. But your education should not change your Christianity or your following of Christ. Your following of Christ should have such an impact on the culture you're getting educated in that you change it. 
And we must begin to do that. Government, we all, I'm just going to skip government for now. It's a hot topic. Arts and media, arts slash media. And a lot of you get your daily late breaking news from Facebook. Facebook, Lord help us. Come on. A lot of us get our late breaking daily news from Facebook. It has become the mass outlet of every one of our rants, unhappiness, and issues in life. And it is the greatest influencer in our culture. About five months ago, I heard this stat on the news, and it says Facebook had 7 billion hits in one day. There's not even that many people in the earth, or it's real close to it. It is the most media-driven part of the earth right now. And so it has an impact on who you are and your culture, how you live. But what if we flip Facebook around... And we put our face in his book more than Facebook. And we use this as a media to transform our world. And we didn't use Facebook as our daily rant, but we used it as our daily empowerment, our daily way to get the gospel out, our daily spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ, our daily way that he's transformed our life. And I love seeing Christian people say, I'm just going to rant for a minute. And you bash 30 things all in one. When literally, why don't you stop for a minute? Because you know what, what a negative does? It, it, gets a, it gets the piling on effect. <laughs> and you know what you do when you pile a bunch of manure up in a pile? <laughs> you just begin to stink together. Right? But why don't in the midst of a negative and when you could rant, you begin to say, Hey, you know what? This driver just cut me off for this bad parking situation. is horrible. But praise God, I actually got a vehicle to drive. I actually got a reason to rejoice today. I actually can still walk. I can still get out and go to the grocery store. I don't care if you couldn't get the closest parking space at Walmart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Get some exercise. Praise God. He gave you two feet, two legs. Let's start breathing some fresh air. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you begin to empower yourself and see what God has for you? Rather than using arts and media to change you, why don't you use arts and media to change a culture that we're in? And then science and education. Technology is, is basically what you could phrase that at. We live in the greatest day in the history of the world of the spreading of the gospel. We can, get, we can get the gospel into every nation because every person in every nation, it doesn't matter how third world it is, has a cell phone and internet access. And they all have apps. And I love the underground movement going on in China. There are more Bible apps in Chinese languages than you could ever imagine. And it is spreading like wildfire. But instead of believers tapping into the movement of God that could take place through technology, we're tapping into pornography rather than the gospel. And instead of using technology to set people free, we're getting bound by technology. See, this is what I'm talking about. There are seven spheres or mountains of influence that we must know and recognize. And the problem is we're more impacted by these seven spheres or mountains of influences on us than the promise of God in us. I don't know when the church got so weak and, 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 and bent over and, and struggling. But the last time I read the Bible, the Bible does say greater is he that's in me. And that's all I really need. Last time I read the Bible, it still said, I'm going to give you every place you set your foot. Last time I read it. So we must begin to change 
the way we think about these things and the cultures that we're in. And, and I pray that this morning it becomes a wake-up call to us. Everything about our life is influenced by these seven areas. In all these areas, because many times we are their worldly culture, not kingdom, our thoughts are more shaped by them than we shaping the culture with the anointing of God within us. And the answer is not pulling yourself out of every one of these seven spheres. In fact, God says you need to be so heavenly cultured in where you're at in a place called home that when you have to go out in these seven spheres, you change them. The answer is not going to Walmart and buy groceries and, 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 and never leaving your house. The answer is getting so filled up in a place called home that when you leave, the culture around you changes. I, I mean, the last time I read, Jesus got out of a boat and the culture was waiting for him. <laughs> because they, had, he knew, they knew he had something greater in him than the culture around them offered. When's the last time you walked into Walmart and the store was waiting for you to walk in that store? Come on, thank you, Jesus. Woo, there's that anointed woman of God on aisle three in the bacon aisle who's going to lay her hands on somebody and get them healed today. Amen. I'm too crazy for some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, oh, Lord Jesus. I'm just asking you to get outside your religious box and see what take the gospel into all the world really means today. And see what God is trying to do in us as a church like never before. And that's why Jesus gave this mandate. The mandate that he gave us is the culture of heaven. In Matthew 6.10, I'll say it again. The kingdom culture come, your will or culture be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And I do want to recap this point from last week. That the culture he's talking about is when Jesus began to speak in a kingdom aspect. Like, he, like we talked about last week. As he said the Lord's prayer, which we know really should be called the disciples prayer. Because Jesus had no reason to pray that prayer because he asked for forgiveness in that prayer and Jesus never sinned. Can I get an amen? amen? So he was teaching his disciples how to pray, but in this teaching prayer, it becomes apostolic in nature because of verse number 10. And in verse number 10, he said, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That's more than God fill us, more than God give us today our daily bread, more than God forgive us of our sins and trespasses we forgive others. That's saying, God, I need, I'm calling on your spirit to manifest in this place, and it's putting a mandate on my faith to believe that you, the God of heaven, can open up a place for your spirit to come down and change the culture that I'm in. And so as Jesus said that, it became an apostolic prayer. Now that term apostolic literally was a term that was stolen from the Greeks by the Romans. And the Romans used it for this. When the Romans, the most dominating nation that was ever on the earth at that time in Jesus' day, when they would send out a group of ships to a new land, the very first ship or lead ship was called the apostolic ship. And that apostolic ship, the people on board were the leaders of a group of people going to a new land. And their job on that apostolic ship when they landed on the new land was to recreate the culture of the Roman Empire in this new land to such an extent that it resembled Rome so much with their seven spheres of influence, their culture, their language, their transportation, their, 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 their education and everything else. That if the emperor of Rome ever came to this new land, he would say, I feel just as much at home as this, in this new land as I do in my empire back home in Rome. So what Jesus is saying 
He's saying, apostles, you guys listening to me, I'm teaching you how to pray, and I'm not just teaching you how to pray. I'm setting you up to go into new lands and host my presence in such a way that when I come in my presence in the fullness of my glory and reside with you here on earth, it is so similar to the kingdom of heaven that the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily want to go back at all because he feels just as much at home with you as he does with his father up there because you and the father are one. Right? And that door that we've used for, for eight weeks now, there's a melding of the two realms in these two worlds. Now, this morning, I want to touch on this point. The title of this morning's message is Set Sail. This morning, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. Are you going to influence culture? Or is culture going to influence you from this day on? And I'm not asking you to make a decision for the rest of your life. I'm asking you to make a decision for today. And then when you wake up on Monday, is work going to influence you or are you going to influence your work? Is school going to influence you or are you going to influence school? Is your life going to influence somebody or is somebody's life going to influence you? I'm not asking you to make a decision for the next 10 years. I'm asking you to make this a daily decision in your life. Jesus didn't say, give me the next 10 years daily bread. He said, give me, the next, give me today's bread, the daily bread. He's saying, this is a daily thing. That when you wake up, you ask the Father to come into your life. And you ask him to be using you in such a way that you influence and change the culture around you. Because listen, Jesus said this, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you're not influencing for me, you're, you're being influenced by them. They're changing you or you're changing them. There is no middle ground. There is none of this hold steady place. It's either you're advancing or they're advancing. It's not a standoff. In your life, I'm, I, I, my prayer is that you advance at such unprecedented levels that the kingdom of darkness just shudders when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> that when you, when you wake up in the morning, it's not, good Lord, it's morning. It's, good morning, Lord, amen. We're, we're getting this thing going. Now, as we read the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is not written like Mark from a servant position, like Luke from the, from, the, from the son of man position, like John from the deity position. It is written from a kingly position. Not that one day he is the soon and coming king that's returning on the cloud of glory, but they believed in that day this is the king of Israel rising up to restore the city of David to its once prominent place. And so when Jesus was up on the mountain teaching the Sermon on the Mount, we in America, we just think, oh, he's such a good, gentle teacher, and he's just saying this good, sweet message, and he's just laying out his platform for the next three years of ministry, which he did. But I don't believe he spoke it like that. I don't believe Jesus ever spoke without the anointing and authority on his life that transformed and changed people. You notice this is one of the first accounts of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew after he came off the mountain being tempted by the devil. And there were already crowds gathering around him. So something happened. He didn't just show up on a mountain and two people show up. There was something preceding this that drew multitudes to him as he was on the mountain teaching. And I want you to begin to change the way you view this. I'm not saying it's, it, it, it's perfectly correct in every way. But I want you to change your viewpoint of this from Jesus, the, the nice, prim, and proper man with the long, flowing locks of hair, sweet Jesus teacher, to a man who is speaking with authority 
on the side of a mountain recruiting people to establish a new kingdom. You don't do that by saying, oh, please come follow me. (laughs) Do you remember the movie Braveheart (laughs) when he is rallying people? I believe there was energy. I believe there was passion. I believe there was something so profound about that message that he gave in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that the thousands came unto him and they wanted to hear about this new kingdom because they were tired of the cultures influencing them. They're ready to say, they're ready to say, I'm ready for a new culture, a new society, and this man may just have the answers. Let's go hear what he has to say. Today I'm asking you, are you ready to set sail? And what I'm asking you today is not, are you sitting in a church pew in the United States of America? I want you to put yourself like you're about to enlist in the military. Matthew is wrote from a kingly perspective. He was recruiting an army. He was recruiting people to follow him and even to die with him. And oh, but Jesus, he just did so good feeding people a few months later with five loaves and two fish. How wonderful. See, I don't, I don't read it like that. I read it with a great emphasis where when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's like, literally, let's go change something. Let's get out there and do it. So I want you to get in this scripture with me as he goes into the Lord's prayer and he begins to talk about the kingdom of God coming to this earth. That, because we've read it so many times and you prayed it a million times before every football and baseball game, we don't know the significance of this in that time because you don't mention kingdom against the Romans. You're declaring war against Rome. That's what he did. He said, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth. I don't care what the Roman culture is. It wasn't sweet Jesus on a mountainside. It was a king coming to build a kingdom. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start what I like to say is a gestalt. It's a German word for an all-encompassing change that affects government, finance, social, economics, education, every religion in itself. So Jesus, as he's on this mountain and he says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm I'm asking you to pray for a new kingdom to come in. (laughs) All the people on the mountainside would have been deafening silence. Because Jesus just said something that said we're fixing to have to choose between his kingdom and the kingdom that we're under. And there is going to be a clash of cultures like we've never seen before. And so as Jesus begins to do this, and and the way the English translation of the Bible is, it's, I'm not not talking bad about the Bible. You just need to take out the subtitles. And you need to read the fullness of it. You don't need to read three verses and, oh, it's done. Jesus did good on that little statement. Take out all the subtitles. Read three or four chapters at a time. Get the fullness of it. Because we read the Lord's Prayer and then we stop and say, oh, great, Jesus didn't stop. Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is Matthew 6, 10. This is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount when he says, we're fixing to start a revolution. I'm praying for a new culture. And then when he was praying for a new culture to come in, he didn't stop with, Oh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't stop right there. He began to go on and address some of the things that these people were going to be facing. After the Lord's Prayer, he goes into talking about what you're going to have to change if you're going to embrace this new culture is you're going to have to do some spiritual changes. And he brought up fasting. And he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. 
He said, when you begin to do this, because the kingdom I'm talking about, and the people still didn't get it, is not an earthly revolt. It's a spiritual revolt in the heavenlies, and I'm taking back what the enemy was given in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to win back not just my spiritual side, but when I win it back spiritually, it's going to be won back physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, financially, and on every level. But i got to do it spiritually, so I'm talking about a spiritual kingdom coming. But the Bible says that we are spirit. First, and so when there's spiritual change, physical manifestations are going to take place. And they're going to begin to happen in our life. And so Jesus said the first thing you got to begin to understand is you got to start getting spiritually different. And he goes on to talk all about the Pharisees later throughout all the Gospels. And he starts laying down a mandate that says if you want the kingdom of heaven to come, spiritually this is what you're going to have to do. First off. This is where you're going to have to start. Then he says, I want you to start next in your daily life. Because once you've got this spiritual transformation to take place, I want you to start next in your daily life. And I want you to start storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves, the Roman Empire, cannot break in and steal. I want you to start storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven in your daily walk, in what you do. I want you to start storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is not... So one day, you can call up on God when you get to heaven and say, God, can I see all the good deeds I did? No, we've talked about sure mercies and blessings and then following you. And Paul, Paul even says, I pray that, that you, you will get what is credited to your account. You got some kind of account in heaven. I ain't got all that figured out yet. But it's more than just you doing good deeds on this earth to, to get a storehouse in heaven. It's you storing up the power of God. It's you making great influences in your kingdom so the kingdom of God can work on your behalf. Listen, I would much rather have influence and impact than ownership any day of the week. And that's what God is trying to get to his people. He's trying to get to his people to say, if you begin to store up all these things in heaven, you now don't just have ownership because he's got ownership, but now you have impact because you got all of heaven backing you. Jesus said, if you're going to get on this boat and you're going to set sail with me, these are some things we've got to get right. If you're going to be on my ship and I'm the captain, he's saying, this is how we operate in my kingdom. Spiritually, we've got to get things right. Secondly, you've got to start walking it out on a daily basis and get things daily right in your life. And, and I'm just going to stop for a second. Anybody can be good and believe Jesus like a house of fire for three days. I'm wanting to see 10 years down the line. You've gone through marriage struggle, financial struggle, but you're coming out on top because the blessing of the Lord is resting on your life and you got favor and impact in your community because you've been living right, you've been walking strong, you've been doing amazing things for the kingdom, and then God just begins to elevate you to a place that's affecting cultures. Listen, this, is, this isn't a Sunday morning deal. Woo, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to start living right. And then Monday you're ranting on Facebook again. I'm talking, th this is... When you enlist in the military, it's not for a, for, a, for a one day stint. It's a minimum of four years. I mean, when you're enlisting this morning to go on this culture changing, kingdom adventure, ship sailing thing that we're doing at TWBC, and you're going to abide in the culture of heaven, it's not for a Sunday morning two hour worship service. I expect you to go home and change your household before you change Walmart. I want you to go home, and I want you, if you're here by yourself and your spouse is sleeping in this one, I want you to be the biggest minister in your household. And I didn't say preach one word at them. 
I'm talking you serve them, you love them, and you love them unconditionally, and it breaks down every bondage in their life. You pray for them, you get up at 3 a.m. in the morning and pray for them every day. And I'm not saying you even say a word to them about what you're spiritually doing. They're not going to understand. Only spiritual people discern spiritual things, the Bible says. But we must begin to operate spiritually and do it daily on a daily basis. And then it will go on to go what Jesus began to say farther down in this. It will begin to affect your kingdom life. And Jesus asked this question. In Matthew chapter 6, I believe it's 28, 29, or 30, when he starts talking about um, do not worry, for who can add one cubit to their height by worrying? See how the flowers do not toil, but they are clothed in a more beauty than all of Solomon and all his splendor? You've got to trust God's kingdom ways, even though they don't look like they're working in an earthly culture. Listen, you don't plant one seed one day and expect a harvest 15 years from now. You continually sow. You continually plant. You continually do good. Because God said in due season, you're going to reap a harvest. I'm not sure when your harvest day is. But I know now that we're in a place of harvest season at TWBC. And I believe God can bring in a bunch of harvest right now. But it's not going to be because we have a great harvest. No, it's because we continually don't look for a harvest. We continually plant as we harvest. And we watch God do amazing supernatural things. Listen, one bad day shouldn't ruin your Christianity. One bad day ought to wake you up and realize I'm in a battle. I'm in a battle. And it's time that we expand the culture of heaven. Every one of these points, your spiritual life, your daily life, your kingdom life, God, Christ is asking you what culture are you going to participate in? But then he gets down to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And we all love this verse. We all quote this verse. Oh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. <laughs> That's not what he was saying. After saying, I'm telling you to ask for a new kingdom to come. That's different than the kingdom that you're under with the Romans. He's basically saying, it looks like civil war to you. And it's going to affect your spiritual life, your daily life, and your kingdom life. And Jesus, in his mandate, in his, in his speaking, got down to the end. And like any amazing speaker or teacher does, he leaves them at the point of saying, what you're going to do? You decide now what you're going to do. He said, after all these things, here's what you do. Jesus said, I'm giving you the answer. But seek first the kingdom. All the people are looking at him like, but they could kill me. They could take away everything I have. Jesus is not saying, if you feel like following me, follow me. If you want to fall away, follow away. No, he's a king giving an amazing discourse saying, this is how the kingdom I'm setting up operates. And now is your time to make a decision. Do you want to get on board with me? Do you want to set sail with me? Do you want to go change cultures with me? Because if you do, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things of your culture will be changed or added unto you as well. See, the whole series of Abide comes down to this. Are we willing to seek a kingdom, the kingdom of God, more than 
and some of y'all are going to say this sounds like heresy, what the United States government would say seek. Are we willing to seek the culture of heaven more than what the culture of Sulphur Springs would want to see? See, because some of us in our thinking are more uh, Christianity-minded than kingdom-minded. Because what I mean by that, there's nothing wrong with having a Christian mindset. we got to have a Christian mindset. Christianity means follower of Christ. But there's a lot of things we do in Northeast Texas that will not translate to any other part of the world. Amen. Give me an oh yes, give me something. Give me thank you, Jesus. For example, you go up to New England and say, he's gooder and gooder. <laughs> right? And, huh? Who's that, un- who's that uneducated hillbilly? Right? There's things we do in Northeast Texas that will not work in any other part of the world. That's fine. But I believe we're called to reach something greater than just Northeast Texas. I believe we're supposed to transform a four-state area. I believe we're supposed to go around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I want to get out of this East Texan just Christian mindset thing. And I want us to go to a kingdom mindset thing that transcends society, that transcends cultures, where God says in a year of famine you can sow because it's kingdom and you'll reap a hundredfold return. I want you to start teaching principles of my kingdom, not just Christianity things that will work in your current East Texas culture. Because your culture can change, but it's going to take a kingdom to transform a society like we know it. Are you getting on board? We're changing more than Sulphur Springs. We're changing more than the way people dress at Walmart. Come on, give me an amen. Come on, give me an amen. I'm telling you, we're changing. It's moving. And my greatest concern is that God is doing such an amazing movement worldwide and we're so far behind in our Christian culture locally that we're missing an amazing awakening that God is doing all around the world. A lot of us are so distressed by the current situation of our politics in America, we don't realize the great revivals that are taking place in Brazil, the great revivals in Asia, how the church in Iran is growing at unprecedented rates in the midst of persecution, how Asia, that there's been 15,000 churches planted in the past five years in the most Muslim-ridden nation in the world, and we think Christianity is going to hell in a handbasket, basically, when God says, I got a great awakening going on, but your Christian culture is not blending in with my kingdom society. Let's get it in our kingdom, and let's transform the this culture. So stand to your feet. It's your time to choose.